Welcome to the StockFam Investor Education Podcast. Whether you're a seasoned investor or one of the millions of people entering the market for the first time, StockFam provides the fundamentals to help you grow your wealth. This is a podcast for investors. We give quality companies the chance to tell their stories while providing you with the tools to invest wisely. If you want to get out in front of the herd instead of being a part of it, join us at StockFam episode of the stock pan podcast johnson joseph ceo of tenant fintech group joined sean and hammy for another corporate update following a recent press release regarding tenants partnership with ehigh auto services johnson elaborates on the significance of this deal and how it will bolster their existing insurance vertical in china johnson discusses how their insurance products in collaboration with pan will bring tremendous value to their existing clients and partners amongst various verticals. As far as business in China is concerned, Johnson expresses tenant desire to be involved in the facilitation of B2B transactions wherever possible, including all sectors of the economy, hence the transformation from lending hub to business hub. As the company grows and evolves, so does their business strategy. Johnson enlightened Sean and Hammy regarding Tenet's business strategy for their North American expansion and how data and analytics will play a critical role in revenue generation through unique product offerings. This detailed corporate update also highlights their recent Couples Day success in China, their high growth fueled by various food and beverage distributors, and Johnson also provides an update on their current status with the SEC regarding their NASDAQ listen. It is our pleasure to welcome back Johnson Joseph, and without further delay, let's dive right in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Stock Fam, where we try to bridge the gap between retail investors and disruptive tech Canadian microcap companies um, in the country. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting Johnson Joseph, the CEO of Tenet Fintech, formerly known as Peak Fintech, um, today with us to discuss the latest developments that's been happening since the last time we spoke. We, we are going to go through a whole host of questions to discuss on the business development and the fundamentals. And we are going to discuss the SEC and the NASDAQ process as well uh, towards the end. Uh, but Johnson, let's start. Very warm welcome to you. Uh, let's start with the most important aspect of your business, and that's business development and the fundamentals that have been working very hard over the last couple of months and years, of course. And let's start with the latest news release that you had um, with in your agreement with eHi Auto Service. Uh, which is the second um, largest rental company, car rental company in the country, owned by Enterprise. Um, tell us about the significance of that deal, what you're trying to achieve, and how it also plays and ties into your partnership with the UCKU auto trading platform and also the Heartbeat insurance platform, how they're all tying to, together um, to each other, and you know, what your objective is with, with the whole um, you know, verticals that you're pursuing when it comes to car rental and insurance. Okay, great. First of all, um, thanks uh, for, for the invitation, guys, and uh, Happy New Year to you both. I'm very glad to see you both uh, once again. Um, listen, as far as uh, the EI uh, partnership is concerned, the main reason for that partnership is really about insurance. Um, we, we identified insurance as one of, the, one of five um, sectors that we think offer us tremendous growth uh, potential in China. And uh, that uh, a partnership um, will boost our insurance business tremendously uh, in China. So 
obviously with every uh, car that is rented, uh, there's also uh, insurance that's offered uh, with the service. And uh, with our heartbeat platform and the access that we have um, to various insurance products, the fact that we are connected directly through that platform to uh, China's biggest insurance companies, it puts us in a position to be able to offer uh, um, existing, but also customize policies that would specifically fit uh, what uh, EI, EI is looking for. Um, right now in China, with the, uh, with the green turn, uh, electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles are very, very popular. And um, this is something that uh, I, I just learned recently. You need special, a special type of insurance coverage, apparently, uh, in China, if you're going to be um, renting a, um, a hybrid or an electric vehicle. So um, there are different products that are being put together, working with our insurance partners um, to put some of these products together specifically to fit uh, uh, the uh, the needs of uh, EHI's uh, fleet of electric vehicles. So that's just one opportunity, but uh, uh, there are other opportunities specifically in the insurance space for us with that uh, with that partnership. The other thing that's interesting about that is um, EHI will look to uh, to refresh their fleets of vehicles from time to time, and that's where the uh, UCQ uh, uh, angle comes in. UCQ is one of the uh, biggest um, secondhand vehicle selling and trading platforms in the entire country. So they will have an opportunity to, uh, to resell vehicles that EHI wants to uh, um, get rid of uh, as part of their fleet. As, re as EHI replenishes their fleet of vehicles, so they modernize, they get uh, newer vehicles, um, they'll, they often look to sell the, uh, the older model vehicles. And uh, the UCQ platform provides a great opportunity for EHI to be able to do that. So that's where the tie-in comes in. Also, once the vehicle is sold, whether it's brand new or secondhand, once it's sold through the uh, UCQ platform, also there's insurance, right? So the person buying that vehicle has to purchase insurance as well for the vehicle, and that's where we come in as well. So uh, there, th this, uh, this partnership is interesting for us on two angles. So it's the uh, it's pr to provide insurance on the uh, vehicles that are being uh, rented from EHI and also to provide insurance on vehicles that are being sold through the uh, the UCQ platform. Okay, brilliant, Johnson. So, so far you've ticked the rental sector. Uh, sector. You're trying to expand into new ownership vehicles and provide insurance for the new ownership, new, new, newly owned vehicles. And more interestingly um, about the EVs, of course, we know um, how popular EVs are in China. So that's another vertical that you're also trying to tap into. Uh, do you think you would tap into the EV market given the significance of it um, in 2022? Or is that part of the plan in 2023? Listen, uh, speaking about tapping into markets, um, I, I think it's going to be important for, for investors to understand that Yes, we've identified certain vehicles, certain verticals that uh, we want to be in that offer tremendous growth under the model that we have right now in China, where we're charging fees essentially uh, for matching um, for matching uh, financial institutions with uh, uh, with businesses looking for funding. Uh, we're now in the insurance sector, so we're generating revenue um, through uh, activities that uh, um, that we facilitate on our platforms in China. But ultimately what we wanna do 
is we really we're really after the data okay we uh, again we, we, this is not something that we've emphasized a lot uh with our business in china but what we're really after sean is we're nosy we want to know everything about every industry so although I, I we've identified five specific industries um that we want to be in ultimately we want to be at the center of as many types of transactions as we can be in China, whether it's in China or in other parts of the world, we want to know about everything, right? So uh, it's not just the EV market, it's everywhere where we can be of service, where we can facilitate uh, transactions. It's not just funding anymore, right? If we can play a role in facilitating transactions between B2B businesses, then uh, that's what our business hub is all about, okay? So if, if you recall, initially uh, we called the application, the ecosystem, the uh, the lending hub, right? And then we switched the name to the business hub because what really what we're really trying to do is facilitate business transactions between financial institutions, between businesses themselves, or whatever. The reason for that is we want data. We want to know who is buying what, who is selling what, whether it's insurance, whether it's uh, uh, the energy sector. Uh, the more information that we have on as much, uh, um, as many diverse industries as possible, um, that's the strength of our business. You're going to see our business slowly transition from being a fintech company to an analytics and artificial intelligence company. And that's all about data. Now, the way we started our business, uh, everybody knows us everybody started to know us as the lending hub in china we started in 2018 as the lending hub what is happening right now is you're going to see our business slowly transition we're going to continue to facilitate transactions financial transactions that's always going to remain but you're going to see more and more um you're going to see us play more and more of a role in the analytics and artificial intelligence aspect of the transactions and that's what's happening. And this transaction, this partnership with uh, uh, with eHi Insurance, it's just, uh, uh, I guess, another piece of another industry that we, we, we're going to be in. But eventually, you're going to see us everywhere, not just EV, EVs, not just the auto sector insurance. You're going to see the business hub play a role into virtually everything that happens. Okay, so I'll, I'll just pick up on that before I hand it to Hami and we talk about the North American expansion. Uh, expansion. We know the Chinese, I know that's a natural question that would come up. So when you talk about data in, in, in China, um, how would you address the concerns that, you know, the Chinese government's, for lack of a better word, you know, is a bit fussy when it comes to data? Um, how, how are you going to manage that? That's a very good point. Now, the, the the government is fully aware of what we're doing. We do not deal in consumer data. What the what, what the Chinese government is really trying to do is they're trying to protect consumers. There are companies out there that are uh, accumulating information on Chinese consumers without really their, their their knowledge or their authorization, and they're using that information for 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 various purposes. Uh, we've said it very. Uh, we, we've made it very clear that we are not. We don't deal in consumer data at all. Okay, all of our uh, information, all of the information that we gather, is on business to business transactions. That's that's where we are. The applications that we are going to develop uh, um, on the AI front uh, is all predicated on business to business transactions. Okay, so that's the information that we gather. 
Uh, we anonymize the data. Nobody really knows who specifically the businesses or whatever. Uh, so the data is aggregated, it's anonymized, and we utilize that data for purposes um, that will not, how can I put this, um, that will not get us into any sort of uh, uh, um, situation with the government when it comes to uh, consumer data. So uh, just think of us as a huge, uh, eventually a huge repository of a business uh, uh, of business financial data and how we monetize that data. Uh, we have ideas. That is the second phase of our operations in China um, that will come to um, that will more of that will come to light. I would say once we launch our Canadian operations or North American operations, because unlike China, uh, we are we're starting with the analytics and AI first. Okay, so China we started with the financial. Uh, 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 matching business uh, where, where we charge a fee for matching businesses for providing, uh, um, I guess, flow of funds uh, efficiency, if you will, in various industries. So we charge a fee for that. That's how we started in China. And by all uh, accounts, we are we, we think we're very successful doing that. You can tell by the growth of the revenue. But what we're doing in, in North America is we're starting right away with the analytics and the art, artificial intelligence with the AI. So we're going to be developing applications based on that. And that's how we're going to be, uh, um, that's that's how we plan on generating revenue initially in North America is through the, um, the analytics and uh, AI applications that we're going to be developing. Perfect place to end it because I know Hemi has a <laughs> long list of questions when it comes to the North American expansion. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of the EHI Auto Service uh, Agreement, I think there was some note in there about enterprise holdings and kind of alluding, maybe hinting perhaps at, you know, possibly being able to utilize and leverage that as you move into North America, because as we know, enterprise has a large holding uh, here in North America, uh, you know, Alamo, discount truck rentals. So there is, you know, a plethora of businesses involved in, in the rental side of things here in North America. So I'm just curious, um, to your insights on how that partnership plays into the move to North America, because as we know, with the reopening, um, you know, tourism, rentals, you know, EV rentals, like you'd mentioned, there's going to be a lot of opportunities on that side of things. Um, how that all kind of plays into your plans? Uh, it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, we did mention in the press release the fact that uh, um, uh, Enterprise is, uh, uh, is is a shareholder and EHI Insurance could open some doors for us. Um, Yes, uh, the what we plan on doing in North America, it, again, it's it, it's not so much going, it's not going to be so much industry specific. We plan on casting a very very wide net um, uh, when it comes to our operations in North America. Now, the fact that EI has this relationship with enterprise, uh, it could potentially give us a, a, a foot in the door, not just in North America, but uh, enterprise does business uh, all over the world as well. Now, um, to be fair, we have not had any discussions with uh, with uh, with enterprise itself. Right now, all of our dealings are, are with EI. But I mean, eventually, um, there could be discussions um, between us directly and EI. Uh, excuse me, and uh, an enterprise about uh, doing business in, in North America. Now, again, the model is different in North America than it is in China, right? So what we are doing in China is we are generating revenue on the insurance policies that are sold along with the rental of the vehicles. We don't really have plans uh, to do that in North America, but um, but 
there could be opportunities. I I, I don't uh, I don't want to uh, uh, how can I put this? Um, I don't want to talk about things that have not yet publicly disclosed yet as far as what our plans are in North America. So I have to be very very careful in terms of what I'm saying right now. Um, but we do have a different way of potentially leveraging that relationship when it comes to our North American business. But what we plan on doing in North America is really to just be uh, uh, in different industries all at the same time. I'm talking retail, restaurant industry, uh, manufacturing sector, you name it. So the more diverse we can be right off the bat in North America, the better it's going to be for us. Because again, it's all about analytics and it's all about artificial intelligence and data. So the wider the wider spectrum we can have in terms of businesses that we support in North America, the more successful we're going to be. So that's going to be our approach in North America. Uh, whether that a relationship with EHI um, gets leveraged right off the bat or a few months down the line, that remains to be seen. Right. So I think in your form seven, you kind of touched on the hiring and, you know, officially having an office in Toronto. So where are we at with the expansion currently? To North, uh, listen, we're, we're, we're very pleased with the progress that we're making in terms of expanding into North America. We're building the team right now. Uh, we have some very, very talented uh, executives, the VPs and other executives that have joined the company. We're in talks right now with a, a couple of um, I would say two or three of them to fill uh, some important positions, including chief uh, operating officer or, or, or VP of operations, I should say, uh, for Canadian operations. So uh, you can expect to hear um, to see releases in the coming days about uh, some of the uh, the talented folks that, that are joining um, that are going to be joining the company. Uh, now, as far as the actual uh, platform itself, again, we're, we're going by modules here. There are, I guess. Um, there, there, there are two or three modules that are left to be completed before we can launch the application in, 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 uh, in Canada first and then eventually in the U.S. So we don't really have a, uh, an exact time frame as to when that's going to be. Uh, we're pushing to try to get everything done by the end of the first quarter of this year. But again, there is no time frame for the, uh, the launch of the, uh, the application here in Canada. Okay, so you foresee starting to generate revenue then after the first quarter, or where, where, what's the kind of timeline in, for that? Um, again, I, I, you know what, I can't really say right now, Hammy, because I, I, I don't want people to be uh, um, disappointed. We would rather uh, basically, uh, um, I guess, under promise and over deliver, if I can use that expression. So uh, I'm not in a position yet to say when the first revenues are going to be generated uh, uh, in Canada, but we're going to try to get that done as quickly as possible. I think once we launch the application, we relaunch the, uh, the, the, the Kubler website because we're going to be marketing uh, our operations under the Kubler uh, brand name here in Canada and in North America. Once we launch the uh, relaunch the Kubler website and we start with the campaign, I think uh, we're going to have a much better idea in terms of uh, we'll be able to give people a much better idea as to when the first revenue should be expected. Right. And you, do you feel well, there's think, any industries or potential partnerships that are kind of you know leading the way for for Kubler? Uh, definitely. Um, the the low hanging fruit for us is retail. Um, the retail industry is something that. Uh, 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 I, I mean, the response has been very, very good. Like, uh, even though we haven't done any marketing per se, but we noticed um, there are quite a few retailers that have pre-registered uh, already on the platform. So that's very, very encouraging. Um, 
also, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think what's happening with COVID is going to benefit uh, 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 the, 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 I guess, the, uh, the expansion in North America. Because once we come out of the pandemic, I think businesses are going to need as much help as possible. And uh, using the business hub, uh, not just to help them get funding, but really to help them uh, promote their businesses, to help them uh, uh, get information related to, it could be related to uh, to government programs that are available to them, uh, to help them get the back on their feet. So the Business Hub, um, think of it as, it, it, it's it's not just a, a, an application to facilitate uh, uh, funding uh, for, for businesses, but it's really like a Business Hub in the sense that uh, they're gonna have an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to showcase their products and services, to advertise, they're gonna be able to network, there's going to be content on the website. There's going to be uh, uh, to, to, to their specific industries. And there's going to be information as far as uh, what, gov like I said before, as far as what government programs are available, how best uh, they can get out of the, uh, 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 the impact that the pandemic has had on their business. So there's going to be a lot of things um, that will attract uh, businesses to, um, to the business hub and uh, to keep them coming back uh, uh, over and over again. Excellent. Thank you. So it's Johnson. It's going to be a hybrid model between you know retail consumers and also businesses in Canada. And you assume the reason why you're you know going into that consumer-based vertical in, in North America is because it's easier to collect data in this part of the world as opposed to China. It's not. It's not really like. I mean, we're not. Um, we're not looking for consumers to come to the hub itself. What we're going to be doing, uh, uh, Sean, is the fr from from the app, from the data that we're going to be accumulating. Uh, the analytics and the AI, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be developing um, tools and applications that we're going to be selling to consumers on a subscription plan basis on a monthly uh, recurring uh, uh, plan basis, essentially. So these are tools basically that uh, or that will help them uh, uh, trade stocks, uh, give insight into what's happening in various industries. And it's not just consumers. Uh, the tools that we're going to be de developing are going to be tools that uh, uh, um, government uh, departments are going to use, um, hedge fund managers, uh, mutual fund managers, stock traders, you name it. So that's the market that we're going to be uh, uh, catering to with the applications that we're going to be developing from the data that we're going to be accumulating. So in simple terms, you're going to be collecting business transa business transactional data from North America. You will package them and you provide them um, as you know blocks of data available to different institutions and organizations who can utilize it in different ways uh, for their own purposes in their it's own not, institutions. It's, it's, not just, it's not just blocks of data, Sean. It's really like applications that uh, uh, um, we're working on various applications right now with our analytics department. And uh, we believe some of these applications are going to have a serious impact on, uh, on the capital markets, essentially, in general. Right. Can you well, elaborate think... on what type of app those are? Because I think, can, can you shed more light, elaborate on, you know, what do you mean by those apps? Listen, uh, um, consumers who trade stocks, okay, uh, you know, uh, whether they want to trade the uh, Home Depot, Walmart, I'm, I'm giving you examples of retailers right now, whether they want to trade Home Depot, Walmart, or Hudson's Bay here in Canada, Canadian Tower, whatever the case may be, uh, we're going to be coming out with tools that are going to be giving people insight into uh, uh, into 
and, and and to the trading of uh, of some of these stocks essentially so just to give you an idea that's just one uh, application that uh, could be developed that we're planning on developing uh uh with the uh, with the analytics and the uh, the data that we're going to be accumulating excellent okay <laughs> so I, I see assume how are you going to collect that data is it going to be business transactional data or is it going to be the stock market data it's business transactional data it's it's a combination it's a combination of things john um okay. we'll get we'll get more into it as 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 uh, we get closer and closer to uh, to launching to launching our operations in north america but there are different ways in which we're going to be monetizing um the information that we're going to be gathering on the businesses that are part of our ecosystem okay we are certainly because that's the first time we've heard you talking about that sort of applications <laughs> we are looking forward to discussing it with you um, that's for sure let's um Graham, do you mind me asking because i wanted to circle back to um the 1212 shopping events yep. which is called the couples day in china um and from the you know research that we've done our team has done um in china because of the macro environment it was considered less successful than expected in general but Tenet brought in $9.9 million compared to 7.8 for the Singles Day, uh, which is the biggest consumers event on the face of this earth. Um, can you maybe elaborate on, on the onboarding you're seeing with these shopping events and the potential for further growth? Yes. Um, f first of all, yes, uh, the, the, um, there was less uh, uh, emphasis this year on Couples Day uh, than there were on Singles Day. And uh, we did come out with higher levels of revenue um, with the couples day event uh, as opposed to the singles day event. The reason for that is uh, there, are, there are more, um, I guess, higher ticket items that were sold during couples day than there were in singles day. And uh, uh, um, so that basically uh, means that our distributors and retailers needed more, uh, needed our services a little bit more because they needed more funding to finance their acquisitions of some of these higher ticket items. So that's what led to the higher level of revenue. The second thing is uh, we also, uh, uh, during Couples Day, we work with new retailers uh, and distributors mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, um, the ones that were already clients of ours during Singles Day. So because of that, uh, um, there, there, there is greater demand. There, we actually work, ended up working with a greater number of uh, distributors and retailers during couples day than we did during singles day so that's the reason why uh, um, we're a little bit more successful in terms of revenue uh, for couples day as opposed to singles day now going forward those events are going to continue to be important for us obviously like i mean when you generate uh, near uh, nearly 10 million dollars per event uh, it's, it's it's very significant we anticipate that those events are going to continue to be bigger and bigger um, th certainly this year, expect um, the single, both the singles day and couples day numbers to be bigger and uh, continue to grow from there. So yes, uh, uh, we were successful this year, but we anticipate that uh, uh, the numbers should be bigger in the future and they will continue, those events will continue to play a significant role uh, for us going forward. And I suppose as you know, you do it year over year, um, you will become more popular among these firms for every event every year and you know you have a stronger footing in the industry as a whole and you perhaps be more recognized for the work that you're doing so um we are looking forward to to next year i know hammy has a few questions on on different fronts too 
Yeah, so I guess in terms of, I know we can't get into numbers specifically, but I guess this makes you feel pretty confident that you're going to you know, meet your guidance of this year of 109 um, million. And then when we talk about 2022, the 345 million revenue guidance of 81 million EBITDA. So what has you confident that you'll be able to reach those numbers this, this coming year after you know having such an incredible growth year last year? Uh, you see, our, our forecasts, uh, at least in China, our forecasts are fairly um, well. It's it's quite easy for us uh, basically to put for to put forth uh, forecasts and be confident in our forecasts. The reason for that is um, uh, we work with uh, um, a number of businesses that have been around for for a long, long time, and those businesses have predictability somewhat into uh, what they're going to be doing in terms of numbers, right? So uh, if we were, for example, if we're working with a distributor that traditionally generates, I don't know, like $100 million uh, uh, in, in revenue, and they expect uh, that they're going to be using our, our services to finance X percentage of uh, the material that they're going to be acquiring, selling, then they share that information with us and we basically take that information and we're like okay you know what if this particular business is going to be uh, um requesting uh, or, or 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 using our services for x percentage of the revenue that they're going to be generating then this is how much revenue then we, that we can anticipate that will generate so what we do is uh we talk with uh, uh some of our bigger clients and uh, we look at the numbers, we put it together, and then we basically discount those numbers because you never know what can happen, right? So that's what gives us predictability, Hammy, into uh, what we can expect in terms of revenue. So in terms of confidence, uh, a lot of our confidence is based on that. These businesses that have been around for a number of years, we've been doing business with them now for a couple of years. So we know uh, with, uh, 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 with a fair level of, 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 of certainty that uh, they're going to make those numbers. And if they make their numbers, then that means we're going to be able to make our numbers as well. So that's what our numbers are based on. Right. And just returning kind of back to the insurance vertical, I mean, your agreement with Ping An is a pretty major milestone considering it's a top five you know, global firm. Um, so what does that relationship mean in terms of the revenue growth and, and projections? Because like, I think they're a pretty major player in insurance. And we know the Chinese government is kind of cracking down um, coming this next February, I believe, um, on these insurance companies. So what does that mean for onboarding of insurance and, and the like? Yeah, obviously, like, I mean, when we acquired the uh, uh, um, the uh, Heartbeat platform, uh, we knew that uh, th this, this, I guess, this, this uh, uh, um, policy of the government was coming in, and that was going to drive a lot of traffic uh, to us from uh, insurance brokers, who needed to basically comply with the new regulations. So um, that has been very, very successful. Uh, the, the, the um, uh, uh, I guess, Ping An is, is, as you mentioned, they're one of the biggest insurance uh, providers in the country. So we're working with them right now on developing uh, products um, that will fit uh, uh, some of the clientele that we have already on the platform and will attract also, uh, we'll, 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 we'll plan on attracting on the platform. So as far as the insurance sector is concerned, uh, we anticipate continued growth in the revenue, uh, on, on the revenue side for us. We, I, we expect insurance to be one of the biggest revenue generators for us going forward. So um, you're gonna hear more and more about activities with uh, not necessarily Ping An, um, yes, Ping An for sure, but uh, other insurance players as well um, that we're uh, working with. You're gonna hear about them and uh, you're gonna see uh, numbers coming out uh, uh, significantly uh, on the insurance sector in the coming weeks and months.
Right. And I think it's important to understand like insurance plays a role in literally every vertical that you're operating in. I mean, uh, logistics, warehousing, supply chain, all that stuff. Um, all these businesses are looking for insurance in different ways. So I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there in my mind. Um, maybe you could kind of elaborate on that or touch on it. But I, I think insurance plays a huge role just in every single uh, sector um, that you could be involved in. That's why we expect so much. It's a very good point that you bring up, uh, uh, Hammy. That's why we expect so much uh, from the insurance vertical uh, in China. So uh, yes, pretty much all of the sectors are touched. Uh, um, one thing that we didn't mention, you know, um, we haven't really talked about is the steel industry. So even the steel industry itself, like, you know, as uh, transactions are done, so there are insurance opportunities there as well. So all of the industries that okay the the, the petroleum sector right okay uh we talked about that um uh, i think a, a few months ago that we talked about uh, our entry into the petroleum sector so that's an industry as well where insurance is going to be where insurance is going to be playing a significant role so um again insurance touches a lot of uh, um, different sectors of uh, businesses in china and that's why we anticipate insurance uh, to be one of the biggest revenue generators for us going forward Awesome. Johnson, talking about forgotten sectors um, that we know, there's so many, you know, sectors that we have spoken and Pete, you yourself and you know tenants have spoken about. But I guess you know because of so many contracts and agreements that you have, maybe you haven't had the time to elaborate on them. Let's talk about Kofco because uh, this is a perfect time as we have food prices surge for various reasons, whether it's drought or shipping constraints around the world, and Brazil and China. Have a significant partnership, and Kofco, of course, is present in Brazil. Brazil is the largest producer of soybeans. We know the prices are going up, corn as well. How is the Kofco partnership is coming along? Do we have to expect something soon? Uh, I mean, soon or later? <laughs> well, soon, so, sooner or later. Uh, we can't talk directly about Kofco, but Kofco touches a lot of the uh, distributors, right? So we do, we don't deal with Kofco directly, but we deal with a lot of the distributors. Mm -hmm. Um, that do business with Kafka. So food products uh, are, 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 are are going to be like I mean it's been grown. We haven't been we haven't put out like we haven't been specific in terms of you know where the revenue is coming from. But uh, to your point, Sean, uh, food distribution is fueling a lot of the growth of the company right now. Okay, so uh, uh, um, it's, it's well Red Bull okay um, the distributor that we talked about uh, uh, that obtained the uh, the exclusive right to uh, to the re to uh, to distribute Red Bulls uh, throughout China and various provinces um, again not just Kofco not so much Kofco but uh, the food sector in general has been a very very big contributor uh, for us and will continue to be uh, going forward so the underlying uh, uh, the underlying aspect of all of that is Kafka, but uh, it's really more the distributors um, that deal with Kafka that are fueling that growth. Brilliant. So Johnson, um, within the Stock Farm community, uh, we bring people together over social media platforms. You know, whether it's on our various platforms that we have Discord and, of course, our Clubhouse discussions and and the likes. Um, and one of the topics that we discuss in general when it comes to investing is that how difficult it is. Um, to talk about conviction, but it's much harder in reality. And how, when you have the divergence of the fundamentals and perhaps the realities that we might see on on the marketplace or the or the um, equity markets. Now, um, there's a lot of speculation 
um, surrounding the company's application for NASDAQ and your continued efforts and works with the SEC. Um, now, how do you see that coming along? And um, do you see that affecting the revenues at all, the fundamentals of the company? Um, you know, that's one of the topics that, of course, shareholders would want to hear you address as well. Okay, sure. Um, listen, uh, w w what's happening with the uh, with the SEC? First of all, um, there there is a financing um, tied with with our with our Nasdaq listing. Now, um, will the delay uh, impact? um our, our our guidance for this year so far i i'd have to say no um there we don't anticipate that uh, um it will have an impact if we can resolve the situation let's say in the next uh, uh, uh 30 to 60 days we should be fine uh, we anticipate that everything will be resolved uh, again uh, this is a guesstimate don't, don't don't quote me on this but from what we've seen so far uh with our dealings with the sec um there is no reason to believe that uh at the end of the process that our registration statement won't won't become effective okay so which means that we should get back on the nasdaq now there are, there are certain things that have happened recently uh i mean this letter came out uh with uh, uh that was issued to um including us that was issued to uh, issuers uh who deal who have a lot of operations in China or that, that are Chinese operating uh, entities. Uh, so there are certain aspects that we have to uh, comply with in terms of uh, disclosure, risk disclosure. And we are doing that right now. I mean, the last letter that we received, the last comments letter that we received from the SEC is currently being addressed right now. We're hoping to be able to get back with the uh, to the SEC on a response uh, in the next day or so um that will address those concerns now how long it takes them um to to review a response and get back to us those are the elements that we have no control over and we do not know right so uh but at the end of the day uh one thing i will say about the process though is that the process has been going well with the sec uh the exchanges have been very cordial um they want to know more about our business um they want to know more about the risks associated with doing business in china and frankly there are as we know risks associated with uh, with doing business in china and at the end of the day they are doing their job and uh we're all on the same side here so um i think we will benefit our shareholders will benefit from the work that the sec is doing right now so i would basically just ask everybody to be patient all they're doing is just to make sure that all of our shareholders and prospective investors have all of the information that they need uh, uh, if they're going to make a decision as to whether or not to buy or sell the company stock. And we're not we're more than fine with that. Again, we think that this is something that will benefit everybody. So um, the process is running its course. Let's just let it uh, 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 run its course again. I don't know if it's going to be a, a week, two weeks, a month, 60 days. I do not know at this point. But at the end of the day, I think what they're doing is a good thing that will benefit everybody. But as far as the impact on our on our forecast right now, so far, there 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 has not. I, I don't think there will be an impact with the, with the delays so far. Right, and I think we feel a little bit like the Nasdaq is kind of distracting and taking attention away from really what's important, what the company's doing and how you're executing. 
Uh, and fair enough, you know, the NASDAQ is an important milestone, but like you had mentioned, the SEC is just doing its due diligence. You know, I feel, you know, if there's anything fundamentally wrong, you wouldn't even be at this stage right now with the SEC. Uh, you know, I don't think they'd be working with you and going through and making sure you're fully disclosed and all that. So um, can you also speak to your feelings and share plans for expansion to other public markets? Yeah, um, listen, uh as much as uh, uh, we want to get back on the NASDAQ, uh, uh, it, it's not as if, you know, if we don't get back on the NASDAQ, then, you know, our business falls apart. As you mentioned, Hammy, there are there are other, uh, um, I guess, stock exchanges uh, globally that we can we can list on and give access to uh, to investors and shareholders through those exchanges. I mean, uh, we're a Canadian company. So naturally, like, I mean, the plan is for us to. Uh, to be on a senior exchange here in Canada. That's something that we're pursuing. Uh, there's also, a, 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 if for whatever reason, um, things don't work out with, you know, the the, the, the SEC um, and, uh, you know, uh, we can't get back on the NASDAQ, then we will also be looking at listing potentially in uh, in London or and uh, in Hong Kong, essentially. So um, there are other markets. It's not like the NASDAQ is the only a thing that will make our company successful. We believe that we can be successful by listing on other markets as well. And we plan on pursuing those uh, those other listings. Excellent. Yeah, um, Johnson, any, any final remarks? I think we came to the end of our questions. Thank you so much for your patience. Do you have any final remarks for your very patient and very good and wise investors who have loved and, you know, um, who have really relied on your immaculate execution over the past couple of years. Um, I'm sure they would love to hear your final remarks. Well, you know what, there, there's really one thing I want to touch upon is uh, um, I, I've been hearing things. I, I don't go on social media, uh, guys, as you know, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see what people are saying on social media, but uh, it, it's been brought to my attention uh, uh, recently, uh, um, things that are being said about the company. Um, Hammy, um, I think, I, I don't know if, like, I mean, uh, somebody mentioned to me, perhaps uh, you can, you know, you, you have more clarity on that, but something was talked, somebody was saying something about uh, the NASDAQ requirements, about uh, um, yeah. about financial statements. Can you, like, can, can, can you remind yeah, me? Yeah, sorry, you know, we don't usually like to get into malicious rumors, but I mean, I think it's important to touch on some of them. I think one of the bigger ones was um, the, tenant can't trade on NASDAQ until the 2021 financial audit is submitted. And you guys have known about this for quite some time. So I think that's one that's been kind of going around that we've seen among others. But I think that one's kind of the mo more of the malicious ones saying that the company has known about the fact that they can't get on NASDAQ until the 2021 financial audit is, is completed. So maybe address that. Uh, okay. Rumor. Okay. So, so yeah. Okay. Thanks. I mean, that, that, that's the kind of stuff really, like, I mean, um, that, that, that I really want to clarify here. So, so apparently um, somebody ha ha has gone out of their way um, to say that we have known um, that we cannot get back on the NASDAQ until we produce our 2021 audited financial statements, correct? That's what you're, that's what yeah, you're yeah. So, yeah. So again, s somebody has gone out of the way to say something like that when, you know, like, I mean, it's 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 
I, I, I'm just I'm just trying I'm, I'm struggling to find the right words here as to why somebody would go out of the way to say something that is totally untrue. Like I mean, we we I mean, listen. So I, I'm just wondering, what does somebody get out of this? Okay, by making stuff up like that. Like I mean, what do they get out of it? So they say something that is not true, and then people believe it. And I mean, what do they? I'm, Guys, help me out here. What do they get? Like, it makes them feel better. Like, I mean, why would you say something like that? I'm trying. I'm trying to understand this. Okay. So, no, this is not true. Like, I mean, nobody's told. The only thing that the Nasdaq told us is, let us know when the 40F has been effective. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That that's like so. So as far as like us knowing that, okay, uh, we we're not gonna get back on the Nasdaq until the, the point. That, that's totally false. And I'm just wondering why somebody would say something like. The, the, the other thing, the other thing, uh, you want, you wanted to say something? Go ahead, Adam. No, I was just going to say, I think, I mean, you've already been approved for the NASDAQ. This is all on the SEC at this point. I mean, you're trading on, on NASDAQ. Like, I mean, it Correct. doesn't make any sense to even come up with this kind of nonsense. Like, you know, Correct. you do, you know, we're trying our best to kind of educate investors on, you know, the realities of the markets. And unfortunately, this is one of the realities that, that's out there is there's a lot of, um, people that uh, say a lot of things to scare investors and you know you see that, that that's what that's what bothers me um, guys okay is it's 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 the impact that it has on 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 some of our investors now okay i'm i'm going to say something here and listen i i i don't want to i don't want to insult anybody right okay so uh, if there are people out there um, that believe and 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 Bigfoot or the Tooth Fairy or whatever. That I, I'm I'm going to apologize, okay, ahead of time, okay. But I I, I do want to say this. Now, I also heard something um, to the effect that because um, okay, so our, our 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 office in Toronto, right? So so somebody said that our office in Toronto is fake. So therefore, the company is running a scam. Now, hmm. now, okay, so. So just think about this for a second now. Why would why would we go and and pretend like we have an office in, in, in the biggest city in Canada and we publish okay the address on our website? So everybody that goes on our website goes and sees that address. And if they go to that address, what they're going to see is they're going to see that this is the, the, these are the offices of CHF investor, CHF capital markets. Okay, which is our investor relations uh, uh, partners, right? So, so anybody can go there and see that CHF. Now, why would we basically pretend like we have an, an, an office there? Okay, it doesn't make any sense. The reason why that address is there, the reason why we're using CHF's uh, address temporarily, is because uh, our DNO insurance policy was running out. Okay, it was 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 due to be renewed. And we are a Quebec-based company. And because of our NASDAQ listing, we were told that it was going to be very difficult to, uh, uh, to renew the policy if we remained a Quebec company. So we had every intention of opening an office in Toronto anyway, but the insurers told us that, hey, listen, if, if, if you can get uh, um, the, the uh, if you can move your head office out of Quebec quicker, then we're going to be in a position to offer you uh, uh, better opportunities to get uh, uh, to get your DNO uh, coverage renewed. So, so that's why we we spoke to CHF and we said, listen, you know, um, 
we're going to open an office. We're looking for office space right now, but can we uh, uh, share your office space until we find our own office? So essentially that's why we're using, we're sharing CHF's offices right now until we find our own office. That's it. That's I mean that, that that's the reason for that. It's not because we're running a scam. In fact, we have found an office space right now. We're gonna be at okay for the the the, uh, the detectives out there who want to look this up. We're gonna be at 119. We're gonna be at 119 Spadina in Toronto. So okay, if you want to look it up, that's where uh, tenants' offices are going to be in Toronto. But for now, we're sharing CHF's offices so that we were able to get our DNO coverage in place. That's it, that's all. We're not running a scam. So yeah. I, listen, the, the, the message I, I, I want to I, I pass along to our investors, okay, is this is your money, our shareholders, okay? This is your money. You have made an investment, okay? This is your hard-earned money. You've decided to buy the company stock because you believe the company is delivering something. Now, before you do something, Okay, um, based on some internet trolls spreading rumors, saying things, just just verify, please. Just 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 do yourself a favor and verify the information. That's really the message I want to pass along to our shareholders because we do care. Okay, so uh, uh, we know that we are working hard to build a company that we can all be proud of. Don't let some internet troll who has no relationship, no connection to the company, come up with all of these things, these lies and stuff like that, and make you take, uh, um, you know, make you make a decision on the company based on things that are totally false. You know, just yeah. please, you know, that's that's all I have to say to our shareholders. Yeah, and I think, you know, even last year, we went through this with the prospectus, you've gone through regulators. I mean, this company has been like turned over inside out 10, 15 times over, I mean, it's silly to me that somebody would rather listen to that versus looking at the facts of, you know, what the company's been through in the last year and even going through right now with the SEC. You know, these things are all things like you've even alluded to that make the company stronger. They help you grow. Absolutely. They help you, you know, and that's that's what's really important at the end of the day is, you know, the company's growing and it's learning and it's learning to be stronger and to be a better company. Uh, and that's exactly what's what's happening right now. So if you recall, Hammy, like I mean, we went through the same process, right? Like I mean, when we're when we're uh, going through the prospectus and the AMF, they were looking at things and everything. And, and again, that that was an opportunity again for internet trolls to come up with all kinds of reasons as to why the process was taking so long and this and whatever. And at the end of the day, it was all like you know. It, it, it was all like uh, things that basically had no bearings on reality. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing that we're experiencing here again, because the SEC is going through their process and it's, it's giving an opportunity for people to invent all kinds of things. And our shareholders, I understand, you know, they're, 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 they're nervous or whatever, but please, like, I mean, don't, don't just, just don't believe these things. Like, I mean, if, if I'm invested in the company and I hear a rumor that, you know, uh, the company's uh, chief operating officer is having an affair with the tooth fairy, whatever, like, you, you know, I, I'm going to, before I do anything, I'm going to, I'm going to look into it. You know, it's my money. So that's what I'm asking these people to do. Like, I mean, just when you hear stuff, ridiculous things like that, just, just, just verify please like i mean if you're not sure send an email to, to to the company pick up the phone call somebody and just say hey you know what like i mean i heard so and so like i mean is it true and just just, just do your own due diligence please before yeah. listening to these people out there that you know have no connection to the company 
Right. Yeah, that's exactly what we've been pounding the table on, not um, only for tenants, but in general when it comes to investing, because um, you know, we have this new generation of investors in 2020 and 2021, and we are trying to say that be independent thinkers, do not invest because a YouTuber said something or we said something, but it has to be based on fundamental and reasoning and logic, and anything beside that would put you in a very weak position. And um, a lot of people are alien to, you know, um, the logistics of, you know, development, different stages of development for small businesses, which you are one. And, you know, they might get um, spooked or scared with a little rumor. That's the unfortunate part of it. That's why we have you, these opportunities uh, to speak to investors so they can understand that the business is growing and any divergence with the marketplace doesn't undermine the realities of the business fundamentals. And I'm sure investors really appreciate you speaking to us today and shedding light on all sorts of different verticals and aspects of business that's been going on over the last couple of months. So we do appreciate it, Johnson. Hopefully we can have you soon on again, as we know you're going to have a lot to discuss with your shareholders in the very near future. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we will see you in the next one. Have a good one, everyone. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed this interview. To hear more interviews as well as our other investor education content, please subscribe to the podcast and visit our website at stockfamgroup.com where you will gain full access to all of our free educational platforms. Also, to view the video versions of much of our content, follow us on YouTube at StockFamTV.